All right, welcome back. We've got another episode of Water Hockey. Uh, super excited to come to you guys today. Uh, we've got a really special guest. Um, you probably have heard of him if you're on this little thing called Twitter, kind of a social media icon. It's been causing some stirrups in uh, the world recently. I'm just going to get right into it. Guys, I'm super pumped. I usually ask how, like, Jason, your day is going. I know you just got on a, got back from a trip to Colorado. Which was wonderful, by the way. You got to do a little pond skating. Patrick, how was your trip to Colorado that you didn't go on? Uh, that is in, let's see, two weeks? Oh, so everyone's going weeks. to Colorado. Okay, cool, cool. I've got some miles saved up since I wasn't able to travel last year, thanks to COVID. Um, but guys, I, I, I don't mean to keep the intro short, but we have an extremely special guest on today. Um, he is a UNT graduate graduate with a degree in journalism, obviously. Go Mean uh, Green. Go Mean Green. He started as a feature writer for the uh, North Texas Daily. He moved to uh, WFAA, which is a local station here in Dallas, in, uh, humble brag. Uh, he was covering the Cowboys. He was a feature writer for the Mavs. And five years he spent at ESPN as a reporter covering DFW sports. And most recently, the board op and producer for The Ticket. Saad Youssef, welcome to the show. There's a little buzzer I guess we got to play. And Saad, thanks for coming on. Of course. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And on top of all that, my uh, the main job, the athletic. That's uh, that is that yes, is what I do. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm the host with the most, and he knows the least. Um, well, we are super pumped to have you. Obviously, it's a really busy time for you. Uh, you know, obviously not how you expected to spend these days, considering that the season was supposed to start uh, last week, and we are here on the 20th of January, and we are now officially two nights, or I guess we could say one night going into tomorrow, away from Dallas Stars hockey again. Uh, you were at the American Airlines Center earlier. Um, how was it? How was it being back in the AAC with, with most of the team back? Yeah, it was it was exciting, man. Just to just to walk through those doors again. It was the first time. Actually, the last time I went to the American Airlines Center was March eleventh, uh, twenty twenty. Which, of course, I'm never gonna forget that day because that was the day Boban Marjanovic beat the Nuggets, and um, and that was the day sports shut down. So you know, I was at that Mavericks game when everything kind of went down. I think the Stars played the night before that on March tenth at, at the American Airlines Center. So it's been a while since you know, we, we've been back there. So just to be back and, and be in the press box, it was all spread out and everything. So it was very different. Um, but it was nice to, it was nice to be there. Most of the, uh, stars team was there, um, you know, practicing and everything and very much uh, bones, Rick bonus told us after the, after practice that, you know, it was very much a, uh, run through and preview of what the game's going to be like. So, uh, all that stuff just made for, uh, you know, a lot of excitement. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I was actually. It's funny you say that. I was actually at the game they played against the Rangers. The Stars did, and they lost. I, I want to say like four to one. So it was a super bummer. But it's kind of one of those cool parts of history, especially for you, uh, being able to say that you were at the last game in Dallas before the shutdown, and that was the game where Mark Cuban. I remember looked down at his phone and, and kind of almost. I think his jaw dropped, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, he. That's when. That's when a uh, PR guru Scott Tomlin showed him that the NBA had been suspended while an NBA game was going on right in front of his eyes. So very surreal. That was yeah. a crazy moment. Yeah, I remember seeing that going on. 
Yeah, that was uh, probably one of the most memorable sports moments, unfortunately, for me in the last couple of years. Uh, but that being said, Saad, you are a Dallas sports fan. Uh, it shows in your tweets throughout Twitter. What has your experience been with hockey and the stars? I know that's not the the sport at the forefront of your interest or wasn't, at least for the time being. Um, you know, What is your experience with the Dallas Stars and how did you end up in the position that you're in with the Athletic now? Yeah, so funny thing, I'm actually not a Dallas sports fan at all of any of the local teams, um, of any of the local teams here. Oh, wow. I actually grew up only a fan of one team, and that was the New England Patriots. It's the only team oh, that, wow. I, that I actually rooted for. And I think, you know, the only sports allegiance that I have now is uh, is Roger Federer in tennis. So, you know, now, you know, of course, I like certain aspects of, of Dallas sports, like I always was a Dirk Nowitzki fan, even though I wasn't really a Mavericks fan, but how can you not root for Dirk? So, you know, I, I, I did, you know, root for Dirk and, uh, but I didn't really, I was never a Cowboys fan, uh, never a Mavericks fan, really. Uh, only, only wanted, you know, Dirk to do well, uh, wasn't a Rangers fan and, and wasn't a Stars fan either. So, you know, and, and that's not to say, you know, I, I, I dislike the team. It's just, I've always been a guy who's more so rooted for, players and athletes over teams and my favorite player was was Tom Brady and so that's kind of why I became a Patriots fan and so yeah it's it's been it's been uh, interesting though because hockey was definitely number four of all the sports that I that I was uh, paying attention to and and things like that and then once I kind of grew in my journalism career and and got to uh you know the Dallas Morning News which I was there for about two years or so and once I got there, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I was still part-time, so I was looking for a full-time job. And then The Athletic opened up in Dallas in February of 2018, and I just kind of, you know, threw my name in the in the hat. And uh, and I was told that the position that there there that was open and that was a possibility for me was general assignment writer. And the the twist to that would be that I would have to cover all four teams, which for for me at the time I, I believe I was 20 23 years old and 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 single and so I was like I got all the time in the world to just you know watch sports all year so I was like that's no that's no problem and so that's kind of where it all kind of you know took off I would say where where my stars fandom kind of or not fandom stars coverage really started because I had to cover hockey if I was going to keep a job and so I really dove into stars hockey and then uh, the biggest thing was that I was really lucky that our stars beat writer at the athletic was Sean Shapiro, who's probably one of my best friends now, um, an awesome mentor. Uh, and so he kind of helped me through as well. And so that's basically how I got to that. And then, you know, a couple of years go by the Sean gets a promotion a couple of months ago. He's now a national NHL business writer with the athletic. And so given that I had been sparingly covering the stars for two and a half years, they just kind of shooed me right in. And so that's kind of how we are today. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember reading that article, uh, that the, actually both articles, the one that you had written and the one that Sean had written and just being like super taken aback by the fact that you guys had become so close. And I thought that just showed like, I don't think people understand how close journalists actually get, whether it be because of them being in the same, obviously the same industry or because of the fact that you're in the same booth with each other, you know, when you're covering 
the NHL and you got, you know, sometimes 41 home games that you're supposed to be at, um, you start to develop extremely, you know, close bonds with these people. But, you know, now you are also with the, the ticket, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I've been uh, I've been with the ticket since early October ish. And uh, Patrick, uh, I, I want to say, and I don't mean to to disregard Jason, but I feel like Patrick and Jason like are battling it out on on Wada hockey for being the, the the strongest P one. We're 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 the resident P ones on the Wada hockey podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up on the ticket as well. You know, grew up on bad radio, so that's kind of that 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 was my entire upbringing. So I, I totally feel you guys there. So that kind of leads into my question that I wanted to ask you. What has it been like working at the ticket, which, you know, is not quite as straight edge. They say all sports all the time, but anybody that listens know that isn't necessarily true. So what is it like working for the ticket as opposed to maybe a more traditional radio station or media outlet? Yeah, you know, I worked for five and a half years at ESPN Dallas Radio before coming over to the ticket. So I so I definitely understand uh, the differences there. And you're absolutely right about what you said. It's it really is different, and you know it's a uh, it, it's fun. You definitely have to be a different mold. I think uh, I think I was fortunate that I grew up on the ticket, so I think more of the adjustment for me was when I when I went to ESPN, and it was all sports all the time for real. And I, that's not really how I grew up, you know, listening to listening to talk radio. And now I was at ESPN for five and a half years, hosted there for for the last two years that I was there, and so. I, uh, I, I kind of did, you know, get, get into that mold. And so, you know, maybe it took me, I would say like a week or two to break out of it a little bit, but, um, I'd be lying if, you know, if I said I, I wasn't listening to the ticket, even when I was working at ESPN. So, so it wasn't too much of an adjustment, uh, to be quite honest with you. It's just kind of, it's just kind of the way that I grew up and, and I've always kind of been, uh, you know, a, a listener of, you know, for the ticket. And so, specifically bad radio that's kind of what i've always been a part of and so you know that wasn't really a difficult transition at all well i know you uh you kind of stole my tick or stole my question with the transitioning to the athletic a little bit but uh i've got a better question now knowing that you're a patriots <laughs> fan how does somebody in dfw grow up to be a patriots fan you know listening to the ticket and whatnot as well <laughs> so i became a patriots fan because and it's and it's actually ironic because the easy assumption would be that I'm just a bandwagoner. And I would say to to some extent that would be accurate. But in reality, I actually became a Patriots fan in 2002, which was the year after they won their first Super Bowl. But 2002 was the only year in the Tom Brady Patriots era that they actually missed the playoffs. So that's the year that I became a Patriots fan is the year they missed the playoffs. And the reason, though, is because that year Tom Brady made the Pro Bowl. He uh, he led the league in touchdowns with 28 touchdowns, which would not even be top 10 in today's NFL. But you know he led the league, and so I I was just gravitated towards Tom Brady, and um, and so you know for me it was it was one of those things where he was a sixth round pick, he was an underdog, and all this the whole underdog story, um, and and he was just so clutch and so cool all the time. So that's kind of why I became a Patriots fan. And then, you know, as I grew up, uh, of course, they became a dynasty. They became so good that they were always on TV. And so, um, you know, it kind of became easy that way. And then as I grew up, I played football for eight years um, as an organized tackle football. I played for eight years. 
and I played quarterback. And so Tom Brady was my guy. And so that just kind of put more fuel to the fire of being a Patriots fan. And then, you know, it was just, it was really easy because, you know, they were winning a lot, but also because the rivalries with like, you know, the Jets and the Brady Manning duels and it was, there was just something going on all the time, uh, even before the cheating. And so, uh, and so, you know, <laughs> oh, there, was, there, was, oh. there was always something going on. And so that was, that's why it was just a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think, I mean, first of all, I think this is the first and the longest time that we've talked about football and water hockey. And I think that's going to peak a lot of years. Uh, so, so big, <laughs> big shift, uh, with this, the Saad Youssef, uh, uh, the interview, but, um, I, Tom, I'm I'm actually taken aback right now. Again, I've said that twice in the same podcast, which has never happened before. Um, we'll have to write that down somewhere. But it's funny that you say that because I had this similar situation with the University of Michigan, which obviously Tom Brady attended with that stunning uh, physique of his that everyone loves to pull up whenever anyone talks about the goat that is Tom Brady. And he's sitting there uh, looking like the most average Joe of all time. But I, I got uh, mono in 97. And, you know, you, you turn on Saturday college football, the one team that was on every single Saturday was the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan. Yeah. And they ended up winning the national championship. It was back when Brian Greasy played for the Wolverines, but it's hard to not look at those uniforms as like an impressionable, like it was like 12, 13, 14. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but you don't look at those uniforms and go, Oh, you look at them and go, Oh, okay. All right. These are, uh, these are pretty awesome. And they're the only team that seems to be on every weekend. So I completely understand that. Shifting back to hockey a little bit, obviously this last year and uh, now even so has been completely unprecedented with COVID-19. As you were saying, you were at the last Mavericks game, basically when they canceled sports, essentially. As a reporter and as a journalist that has direct ties with the Stars, what was your experience covering them in the bubble? And, And how easy was it to adapt for you and how easy do you think it or difficult was it for the team or the coaches to adapt to the virtual interviews? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I wasn't in the bubble. I was in Dallas. And so, you know, we're kind of covering them from afar, literally. And so, you know, that was definitely an adjustment because that's not something that not only myself, but any reporter is really used to. And then I think, you know, it, it really, first of all, the bubble, the bubble, did uh it it was not easy on the players and coaches either just being cooped up in one place it was it was really difficult for them it was uh it was it took a toll on everybody's mental health uh i'm talking about the players and coaches especially and so you know that was definitely difficult for them the virtual interviews were just absolutely garbage i mean you know it's it's just you you didn't get anything from them it was more of just reality (laughs) you know they they talked after every game before every game it was cookie cutter questions it was you know, you weren't. You had to raise your hand virtually on Zoom. You got one question. Uh, if a player said something, you couldn't follow up on it because you had to wait for six other people to ask questions. I mean, it was just, it was just an absolute. You know, it was, it, it was terrible. And so, you know, that 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 part was really tough. Uh, luckily, the stars had so much drama built in uh, that you didn't exactly need quotes uh, from players because they were you know, going to blowing a three, one lead to Colorado and going to game seven. But then, and then this, this unknown kid scores a hat trick to win the series. It's like, you don't need a lot of words to explain that one. It's just kind of, you know, it's a uh, pretty self-explanatory on how you're going to write that stuff up. And so, 
you know, I, I had to get creative. I, you know, I, I wrote a big Anton Hudobin feature uh, going into the Stanley Cup Finals, and you know, that was getting interviews from everybody outside of the bubble. So I was talking to a lot of his uh, child, not not childhood, but you know, on his hockey journey, his teammates and coaches. And, you know, that's that's the kind of creativity that we had to kind of resort to because it really was pretty bad, uh, you know, in the bubble in terms of media and stuff. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that. And obviously, when you have a guy like Dobby as your uh, now starting goaltender for the for the foreseeable future until Bishop gets healthy, that guy is just a walking, talking like front feature piece it seems like that guy <laughs> i mean it, it seems like everything that he does is newsworthy whether it be defeating covid or i think it was even you saw that that tweeted out that he had answered the phone in one of his most recent interviews <laughs> and said i'm on the phone i'm in an interview call me back and i think he said it in russian <laughs> but yeah i i it's it it's extremely exciting knowing one that you have a team like the stars that can advance all the way to the Stanley cup final humble brag, not a big deal. I know I stole, I stole that from spitting chicklets, but here we are. But again, you have guys like Dobby, you have storyline type guys. So it's exciting to know that the people that are actually covering the team like yourself are excited and able to pull ideas like that from an otherwise pretty empty place. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, that's you know, we, we've seen them. It, the, the funny thing is that no team in the NHL has won more playoff games in the last two years than the Dallas Stars. Now, you know, they haven't they haven't finished the deal and won the Stanley Cup. But to your point, you know, like if you just look at the way that they they that they've done things, I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, you look at the last two years and you have. In December 2018 and late December, you have Jim Lights making the comments that he did about Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. They go on to make the playoffs. They have Nashville in the first round. Um, they win that series in game six at home in overtime. And then they go to go to the second round. They lose in game seven double overtime when they could have won multiple times if Jamie Benn just you know uh, converts on a wraparound or something like that. Ben Bishop has the game of his life, but he's able to but but he loses against his hometown team um and then you move on to the next year and then they start 17 and 1 and then they go on a 14 1 and 1 stretch and then as soon as things are looking just all sunshine and daisies and everything their coach gets fired um and then oh by the way they're hosting the winter classic and then right before <laughs> covid hits they go 0 and 6 and you're like okay this team is garbage and then they come out and in the bubble you know they look whatever they look all right and then against calgary they go up three two and in game six they're down three nothing with seven minutes into the game and then score a touchdown and win seven three <laughs> um, and then they go to call and then they face colorado blow a three one lead yoel kiviranta with a hat trick in game seven you know i'm just kind of running it down at this point and then they just get ravaged by injuries after they beat vegas but you're right like this team does not lack for storylines there's literally something going on all the time. And it's, uh, and you know, that's, that's kind of what makes it exciting. I'm sitting here listening to you describe what has happened in the last year and a half, two years. And it makes me so much more excited that the season is finally starting in two days. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's an, crazy. Um, that's an incredible rundown that you just pumped out in like three minutes right there. Also, I've never been more excited to be on this podcast than right now, right here. <laughs> And we've had grooves on, Saad. So, I mean, I'm, I, if that tells you anything, 
this is the most excited I've been. Um, I'm definitely telling you that. I do want to like bring it together here. There is a common bond between uh, you and one of the guys here on the show. Um, that would be the one Jason. And and Jason, I think you guys might have gone to the same school. Is that correct? Yeah, Am absolutely. I reading that correctly? Yeah. As a North Texas guy myself, as a graduate of the University of North Texas. The. Um, uh, what was your time like up, up there? At UNT? Yeah, like where where do we find Saad on a thirsty Thursday? Um, you know, <laughs> to be honest with you, like my time at UNT was was a blur because uh because I got hired at ESPN at the end of my sophomore year. Um, and so once I did that, like once I got hired there, like I was really just in and out of classes, mostly just working at the radio station or going to all the games and trying to, you know, network and build connections. So I really didn't have much of a college life. I'm actually still at UNT. I'm in grad school. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm still, I guess, technically there, but uh, it's the same kind of thing. You know, I'm not really, I'm not really, you know, on campus or anything like that. So to be honest with you, like my campus life and my, my college UNT experience is, is pretty dull, but like, you know, like my first, my, like my whole, in my entire undergrad there, like, I, I mean, I did all the stuff, like, you know, I was always there at club willis and and i was you know doing you know whatever stuff was going on on campus and things like that it was just things just got really hectic once i got hired and so that's that's when kind of things changed absolutely understand that (laughs) imagine being uh at unt and people were like yo we're gonna go get you know twisted at this club tonight and you you go no thanks i can't i work for espn (laughs) it's just the (laughs) ultimate name drop and then mic drop walk away well, I uh, I got to give a quick shout out. So uh, we've got some friends over at uh, Texas Hockey Apparel that have been super awesome to us recently. Uh, they're really big on growing the sport of hockey. Um, and we get that hockey in the South is still relatively new and unknown for most um, un- until recently. Uh, for generations, hockey's taken a back seat to the reigning champ of Texas sports, which is football. Um, at Texas Hockey Apparel, they're on a mission to change that. They want hockey to become as synonymous with Texas as Fletcher's corny dogs are to the state fair. That's why Texas Hockey Apparel was created, and it's giving Texans the opportunity to represent their favorite sport in their favorite state. Uh, each item of clothing is full of creative graphics and designs that give Texans the ability to show off their passion for the hottest sport on ISIS. And so basically, with your help, we're trying to bring Texas hockey to the forefront of Texas sports. Um, and that's their mission. And it starts with everyone here listening. So we want to thank them for uh, giving us a huge uh, shout out. Um, they've been really awesome. We got some new hoodies in today from our friends at Rival Sports and Texas Hockey Apparel was cool enough to, to repost that on their Instagram. So I've got kind of an interesting lineup for you. And, and funny enough, I did not put this person's name on this list. Uh, and he was placed on waivers today. Uh, Free Honka Movement. I want to read off a few of these names in the Stars organization. And outside of this season, obviously, with COVID being a major storyline, how many years do you think it will take, if ever, for fans to see these names on a nightly basis in the NHL? And I say NHL because we don't know with trades or anything like that what might happen. So I'll give you the name and you tell me how many years it will take for them to be a part of the Stars organization for 82 games. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. I'm going to start with, uh, uh, I have him on the bottom of the list, but I'm going to start it at the top because I heard that Bones was a big fan of this guy throughout training camp. Uh, Riley Tuft. Yeah, I think I think Riley is, you know, 
in the three days that that we got to watch training camp before before the shutdown because of COVID, uh, to me, Riley was one guy that really stood out a lot. Um, he looked really good. I think it's I, I I'll give him I'll say maybe next year he's competing for an NHL spot in training camp, and maybe he's a yo-yo guy at that point where he's kind of bouncing between the AHL and NHL next year. I think this year he's he's taxi squad AHL uh, unless the stars get bit by the injury bug or something like that. But uh, unless that happens, I'm going to say this year he's strictly AHL. Uh, next year I think is going to be that year where he's bouncing between AHL and NHL. And then the year after that, so the 2022-2023 season, uh, I'll, I'll say he, he'll be in Dallas at that point. Okay. Okay. I like that. Everyone's been asking about him. I wrote a story about this guy earlier, uh, this, this, uh, off season, uh, Ty Delandria. Um, I, I think Ty Delandria is going to be an NHL player this season. Um, he, he has, he has been really good, uh, in training camp. Uh, the roster spots are kind of just, you know, they're, they're also falling into place for him. Uh, Blake Como has been out. He's not going to start on Friday. He's not going to start the season on Friday. And so, uh, you know, Ty Delandria should actually be on the NHL roster right out of the gate. And I feel like, you know, then it's going to be on him. He he basically has two weeks to show that he belongs in the NHL because February 5th, the AHL begins. And if he disappoints in these first two seasons, uh, they'll ask him to go down and get some work at Texas before uh, eventually bringing him back up. But he's definitely a this year or at the latest next year uh, NHL player. Nice. I think that's going to excite a lot of people. This next name is one that I actually really, I, I enjoy the player a lot. I love his style of play. And I did not see, I don't believe he got sent back to the AHL today. Uh, Joel Lesperance, is he going to be a part of the roster this season? Or do you think that he might be on the taxi squad as well? I think he'll be on the taxi squad. This The, the, the team is really a, a veteran team right now. And I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there, and so I think with, with Joel, he's 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 a guy that doesn't he has enough experience in the AHL, and even he's even had a couple of cup of, cups of coffee in the NHL, where you know it's he has enough experience to where he doesn't need to be uh, playing every single day. He has enough on, under his belt to where uh, he is a bit seasoned. He he kind of is who he is, though. I mean, it, I, I don't think he's going to be more than a bottom six forward in the NHL. Uh, I think that's pretty much his ceiling. And so uh, I, I think he'll probably be on the taxi squad and then, you know, spot duty wherever needed this season. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of had the same feeling about him. I, I looked him up, and, and when I realized that he was 25, it kind of hit me a little bit harder that I was like, yeah, this guy might be bound for the uh, AHL for, for the foreseeable future. I've got just a couple more names, uh, one being Jason Robertson. I think that's one that is like Ty Delandria. Everyone's super interested to kind of see what his future's like. Yeah, Jason will definitely start um, on the NHL roster, and if if he he, he the, the coaches of all the young players, there's no doubt that he's been the most involved um, in terms of you know he's on the power play unit, he's uh, he's he's played on two lines, he's played with uh, on the Pavelski Radulov line, he's also played on the Kamano and uh, Dickinson line, so he's gotten a couple of different looks on the lines, one as a top six forward with. Uh, with Pavelski and Radulov, one as the fourth line forward, fourth line winger with uh, Kamano and, and Dickinson. So there's a two different looks there. He was on the top power play unit uh, to start camp. Now he's on the second power play unit, which honestly is no shame uh, because 
that's being run by Miro Haskinen. So you'll you'll get your opportunities there too. So I think he is he's a guy that I think has more or less graduated. Unless unless there's a big disappointment coming, he's more so graduated the most of any young player on this uh, on this team that was a prospect. He is he's a guy that should be a full time NHLer from now on. I love that you said that. I can't wait to see him. He's a big kid. I don't think people realize that he's six two. He's no small. He's no small dude. Um, I had Jake Oninger on the list. We all know he's going to be the backup this year, and I think moving forward, he's probably going to go to the AHL next year, unless Seattle takes Dobby, um, which I know is a, is a popular opinion. Um, so, uh, but the last thing I want to I, I want to put on put out there towards you. Um, obviously, everyone saw him in the World Juniors for Team Canada. Um, he may be on the taxi squad right now, but it's, it's your, it's our boy, Thomas Harley. Um, I, I'm, do you think he's going to have an opportunity to play with Secker this season? I heard Pissick was doing really well and, and bonus seems to really enjoy him. So I'm curious what you think we might see between those two. Uh, Thomas Harley is definitely the hardest one to project here because it, it's not because of his talent. You just, you know, when it comes to the forwards, you have 12 spots and the, the, the stars aren't exactly uh, excuse me, top heavy on the forwards. And even even when you look at their forwards, they're missing their top guy in Tyler Sagan. So that's why you have all these opportunities for Jason Robertson, t- Ty DeLandria. Not only are you missing Sagan for the first three months, but you're also missing Blake Como right now. And then and, and that's that's you know considering the fact even with them, you're not very deep at forward. And I mean they're 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 fine but they're not extremely deep with talent at forward uh, compared to where they are at defensemen. I mean, when you look at their defensive core, you don't even start talking until you get to the number five defenseman. There's no conversation happening in the top four with Klingberg, Lindell, Miro, and Alexiak. Those guys are, th- those guys are stapled in. And so then you only have two spots left. Uh, Sakara is a veteran who has shown and, and, and earned the trust of the coaching staff now you're looking at one last guy, and th- that's kind of where you where where you're struggling because there are two spots, but Thomas Harley can't be a seventh defenseman because he has to be a guy that's going to play on an everyday basis. Now he'll start on the pra- on the taxi squad this season because there's no other league being played. The AHL doesn't start till February fifth. His league, the OHL, isn't isn't playing this season at least in, for now, um, and and it's unlikely they get going, and so. Once February begins, that's when it'll get really interesting. If, if if you're a betting man, I would put my money on Harley playing in the AHL um, this season and then being an NHL player next season. But here's the thing about Harley. When you look at the entire young group of players that the Dallas Stars have, forget position, everything. You throw Ottinger, Delandria, Robertson, everybody in there. Thomas Harley is the number one prospect in this system. He is the top guy. It's just the the circumstances favor the forwards more than it does the defensemen. That's kind of where he's getting shortchanged a little bit. But honestly, it might just be better for him to go get his feet wet with the pros in the AHL and, and kind of break in that way and then, you know, be a top four guy. Because remember, Alexiak is a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, depending on what kind of season he has, who knows if the Stars are going to be able to afford him. If not, then Thomas Harley becomes becomes an easy pairing with Miro Haskinen uh, moving forward starting next season. 
Okay, the thought of that, one, I would hate to lose Alexiak because we've already lost Perry in the offseason, which a lot of fans were really upset about, and I don't understand why. I mean, Perry was great for us in the playoffs, but kind of non-existent in the regular season. But the fact that you put Miro and Harley together, that's unreal. We just have a couple more questions for you, Sad. I know you got to get to uh, do some editing. On the topic of defense, um, obviously, Johns is still up in the air. I'm assuming at this point, we've all come to the conclusion that he's probably going to sit out this season. I know there were conflicting reports out there that he was taking physicals and the possibility that he wanted to play, but I think we can all kind of put that baby to bed, so to speak, uh, that Johns is probably not going to play this season. That being said, there is going to be some money that you get back because of the LTIR. And for those unfamiliar, um, it's, it's a really long drawn out process, but simply put, you get cap relief because one of your players can't play for majority if not all the season i'm looking at about 2.3 million and in your opinion what do you think the stars are going to do are going to do with that 2.3 million are they going to put it towards acquiring another piece depending on how their team plays or or do you see them trying to sign someone that's still on the free agency pool you know i think i i think they're probably going to stay internal here and and not really go out i the, the the problem with LTI money is LTIR money is just that you know like for example they they've put they put Johns and Bishop on LTIR before the season started and so they don't have any LTIR money right now now the money that they're getting because once the once the season started the cap went to zero now the now the thing is all the players that they kind of brought in before the season and used the LTIR money well, now they're loaning all these players to Texas and they're creating some some cap room here. They 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 need to create almost five million, whatever the figure is for Bishop, um, because they put him on LTI. He's gonna come back in early March. You have to have that five million for bit when Bishop comes back. You probably have a little bit of money to play with, but that's the kind of money that you know you wanna have uh just ready just in case this wacky season, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, injury-wise, COVID-wise, um, all kinds of things. So, you know, I, I just don't see them making any kind of external moves, to be honest with you. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I it's always an, it's, it's a fun question to ask because you never know exactly what is going to happen um, with that money. Saad, we're going to hit you with a couple of rapid-fire questions. Uh, Patrick has been uh, jonesing to, to kind of put you – to the test. So he's going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Sounds good. All right. So starting at the top, we're going to ask your favorite sports icon. It's obviously Tom Brady. So we'll say, <laughs> we'll say your favorite Dallas sports icon, excluding Dirk. Cause that's oh. too obvious. To answer. Yeah. Um, Quincy Carter. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, well, that's a deep, that's a deep cut. That's that a is deep a very cut. deep cut. <laughs> yeah, I and you know, like it, it's weird because you know when I, I've been in the business for like six years now, and Brady's still been playing, um, the the reverence of fandom has faded a little bit. Uh, but I would still probably say he's probably my top sports icon. But you know, I, I in all honesty, I'd probably put Roger Federer up first at this point. I've been a Federer fan my whole life, and and the dude is all class and all dominance, um, and so. He's probably my all-time sports, I would say, with Brady maybe being a, a close second or maybe tied for first. Uh, in terms of Dallas, though, let's see. Um, man, you take Dirk out of it. That 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 hurts. 
That's that's the easy answer for a lot of people. It that's is. my answer too. You know, I I think I'll go with Jason Terry. Ooh, because nice. because oh. again, you know, with rooting for Dirk, the Mavericks were the closest Dallas team that I came to rooting for, and so it's probably I would say Jason Terry. Solid answer. Alrighty, um, favorite hockey movie. Oh man, <sighs> that's a good question. You know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back because there's a lot of good ones that are uh, that are like you know older, and I haven't gone back and been able to watch all those. So I feel like I'm gonna piss some people off. I'll just go with Youngblood. I mean, thank you, thank you so much. I, I honestly <laughs> like I, said, I, I haven't I, seen all of them though. So there's you know Mighty Ducks, but but I but I, I think I'll go with Youngblood right now. No, and, and, and fun fact about Youngblood, for those that are listening and, and have not seen it, go watch it. It's phenomenal. And Keanu Reeves plays a pivotal role. Yep. And me and my friends like to quote his uh, his one quote where he's like, that man is Andy Mal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so happy you said that because I did not expect that. I was expecting, no offense, the the very traditional Miracle or or Mighty Duck. So yeah, Mighty Duck is a good that, one too. It is, it is. Yeah. All right, next question. Who is your leader at the ticket? Oh, Dan McDowell. No question about it. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's really easy. Um, I, I love everybody at the ticket. Um, uh, you know, I love especially like, you know, all those guys have just been so good to me from from Donnie, Norm. I, I worked Norm's show for like four weeks in December um, and, you know, work with Donnie and, and Shale and Bob and Corby. They're just and they're all great. Uh, and Jake, of course. But yeah, no question about it. Dan is uh, a, because with Dan, it's not so much what I've done since I've been working there with him. Dan was just my guy from, from the very beginning. Uh, And there was a time, you know, I'll tell you, there was, I did a story on, on bad radios, like 5,000th episode or something like that for the ticket. And I did an interview, I had to interview the guys and Dan, um, Dan asked me like, so I interviewed the guys and I interviewed Bob on the phone. Uh, I interviewed Jake in the studio and then Dan asked me to meet him at Starbucks. And I kid you not, I crapped my, I almost crapped my pants. Like I was like, kidding me. <laughs> so we went to Starbucks, talked to him for like an hour there. Uh, thank God I was recording because I barely know what, ha- what was happening. Like, you know, one of the few times that you really get starstruck, uh, you know, in, in sports media as a sports media member. Uh, so that's a long way of saying it's definitely Dan McDowell. I'm right there with you. Dan is also my leader. So you have good taste. I think he's the best. I think he's the best at what he does in the entire world. And I don't think anybody does it quite like he does. Dan is Dan is a unique mix of sports knowledge and also just general not giving a shit. Yep. At least just from my <laughs> uninformed listener opinion. Yeah. He, he, and, and the thing is, the thing that the, the thing that uh, like, you know, I had the same kind of uh idea but what you don't really realize until i did that big story on them is he is the hardest working dude in the world like that that guy prepares so hard for every show and does so much work um it's absolutely incredible uh and then because you know he gives off this like easy go lucky uh the vibe on air but he's very meticulous he's very he prepares super hard i just thought yeah so definitely dan yep very cool. All right. Um, being not necessarily a DFW sports fan, um, this was more targeted 
towards DFW, but maybe we'll expand it a little bit. Favorite sports moment in DFW history, and if you don't have one as, you know, not a Dallas sports fan in particular, we'll just expand that to sports in general. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I would say my favorite, like my last bit of Patriots fandom when I was, it was right before I, I, because once I got in the industry, that's when the Patriots fandom faded. Um, I got hired at ESPN in uh, in 2015 in April. So three months before that, the Patriots beat the Seahawks in the Malcolm Butler Super Bowl. As a fan, that was a really great moment, um, and that was really exciting. That whole Super Bowl was great because Brady tied Montana, and I'd been arguing with everybody just about how Brady's the GOAT, and he finally got four rings. So that was that was fun as a fan for sure. But if I'm picking one sports moment, that like you know and and it's not as a fan but it is me covering no question about it it's uh it's Dirk's last game I mean I've never Dirk's last home game and then I drove to San Antonio for his last game so it's either that or it's Dirk hitting 30,000 which was absolutely ridiculous and then and then in sandwiched in between that I would say number one is Dirk's final home game number two is the winter classic and number three is Dirk hitting 30k and I would say that's kind of the order it goes for me and then a close close number four is also Beltre's 3,000 hit I was also in this I was also there for that one and that was special as well to see his family run out on the field and everything I mean Man, these are all great moments little Dirk sandwich I like the little Dirk sandwich that's uh yeah I I, I cried oh yeah <laughs> when he retired Last yeah I, 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 yeah yep I'm not ashamed of that. Well, Son, um, I mean, that's really all we had. Uh, first off, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really hoping to to grow uh, this sport in the state of Texas, obviously, with the Winter Classic. Like you said, um, the sport's growing. Uh, so the Winter Classic brought 80-something thousand fans here, uh, the southernmost outdoor game played in NHL history. Um, real quick, uh, how can people find you on social media? Yeah, so I really, I'm really just on Twitter, and uh, and so you can follow follow me on Twitter if you if you're a fan of uh, bad tweets, sports, and The Office. That's pretty much that's pretty much the vibe um, that I have on Twitter. And so yeah, I'm at Saad Yusuf one twenty six. So that's S A A D Y O U S U F one two six. Gotcha, gotcha, awesome. Um, and is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap this up? Obviously, uh, you are, are covering the stars for the athletic. Um, I've been subscribed to the athletic for, for some time just for, uh, you and Mr. Shapiro alone. So anything you want to plug besides the athletic? No, that's, uh, you know, uh, that's pretty much all I do. I, I tweet, I write at the athletic, uh, Sunday morning, I'm, I'm on the ticket with elf. Um, so, you know, you can tune in Sunday morning, seven to nine, and then, that's pretty much it. But yeah, subscribe to The Athletic. Got a lot of good stuff coming this season. Uh, really excited about that. And so I'll uh, definitely make it worth worth your while. So yeah, definitely do that. Awesome. Well, uh, Saad, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, we're super pumped to have you on. And, and really just... We hope to talk to you again at one point uh, in the season. Um, I think Patrick has one more thing before we wrap up, and then we'll call this uh, call this a show. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, I have one follow up, and this this kind of calls back to Sean Shapiro. Are you going to carry on his tradition of Dennis tweets every time Dennis Gurionov scores? You know, 
that's that's one that I truly do not know yet. I'm thinking about it. The so the thing there is that that's such a Sean thing, and so I, like I almost like I, I almost don't want to ruin it and like you know uh, because I, because I'm continuing quite a bit of what he's doing. Like you know, be a stars twenty twenty after every game and and things like that. So there's a lot of the coverage that I'm continuing continuing. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't, I don't know yet if I'm, uh, if, if that's going to continue, but, but it's on the table for sure. It's big shoes to fill. Cause those are some <laughs> a plus plus tweets he's putting out every time he scores. <laughs> it, it definitely is. You know, I think that might be the toughest thing. So yeah, I'm thinking about it, but we'll see. Well, if you need any assistance, we here at Water Hockey are for you at any point if we need to take over any kind of uh, Dennis tweets or uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take over the Honka tweets. How about that? Because obviously we're not going to see him score in the NHL <laughs> for the Stars anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but uh, Saad, uh, I've said it already. I'll say it again. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, on behalf of myself, uh, uh, Jason, who is the Stay Moist King, um, it's an inside joke. Don't worry about it. Uh, Patrick, do you have any closing words? Do we need to stay a certain type of demeanor? We need to stay sassy, as always. We need to stay sassy, as always. Uh, we need to stay moist, as always. And as always, from me, do not forget your Kermit tattoos. Uh, Sad, thank you so much for coming on, and we will see you guys again soon. Appreciate you guys having me, and always appreciate y'all's support.